0: Com. I hope today's episode will inspire you and encourage you as you fulfill the destiny God has for your life And fulfill your divine purpose in God's master plan Thanks for tuning in and God bless Good morning, everybody awake? Good to see you guys this morning, some of you still drinking your coffee, I see it uh, mine's in the back getting cold. I'll drink it at the end of service. Uh, praise God. It's good to be in the house of the Lord this morning. Amen. God, he's glad for you, Terry. Anybody glad, else glad to be in the house of the Lord this morning? <laughs> Terry was glad to be here. Praise God, Terry. Man, you were at least glad to be here. Amen. So if not, why are you here? Amen. <laughs> <coughs> 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 just a minute I'm choking on water (coughs) all right well I'm glad the lid was on that praise the Lord I'll just I'll just leave it down here all right so now that we've got (coughs) the water distraction out of the way (coughs) and I think I'm done choking we're going to get to Matthew chapter 23 this morning (coughs) if if you are tuning with us online this morning I want to welcome you this morning To Next Level Freedom Church online, but what I also want to do is invite you to come and join us live and in person at 1225 Old Cape Road, Jackson, Missouri. Our zip code is 63755 if you're GPSing from a distance. My name is Trenton Cruz. I'm the lead pastor of Next Level Freedom Church right here in Jackson, Missouri. We are so glad that you tuned with us online this morning, but what we want to do is invite you once again to come in in person because it's not the same out there watching a video screen as it is in the house, amen? When the spirit is flowing in the house and prayer is happening, we may be here. We never know. That's why we always tell people, you can leave if you feel led to leave, because sometimes we may be here two or three hours just praying, and you know we don't want to hold everybody up. If you don't need prayer, you can go ahead and go about your day. But I am glad that we are a church that takes the time to pray for people, amen? Because that's really what the church should be doing. It shouldn't be about a powerful music. I mean, that can be part of it. It shouldn't be about the preacher that's preaching. It should be about how do we get in God's presence today? And your number one way to do that, thank you, Jesus, now that the temple has been, the veil has been torn, is we can talk to God directly through prayer. So just think of that for a second as we've been talking about this series, Getting to Know Your Creator. Think about that for a second you think of all these Hollywood actors and all these famous singers and all these people that are out here and some of you are like, man, I hope I get to meet them someday. Well, let me just help you out. They say you should never meet the one you look up to like that. I don't want to call it an idol, but sometimes it can get to that point. You should never meet that person because when you meet them, you're going to find out they're just as flawless as you are. Anybody ever met somebody you looked up to and then found out later, huh, you're not who I thought you were. So, but you get the opportunity to talk to the most famous being of all time, and that's God, directly, here's the cool part, he knows your name. See, I'm glad two of you agreed with it. He knows your name. Matter of fact, the Bible says he knows the number of hairs that are on your head. So he knows you better than you know you, and he's the most famous of all, amen? Amen. He created it all, and then he sent his son Jesus. Most people know who Jesus is, but you'd be surprised how many people have never even heard that name, who is Jesus, other than a Jesus or something at school every now and then. They wonder, who is Jesus? I remember the first time I talked to a lady about Jesus, or I was just, I how it got mentioned in the name of Jesus, and then her response to me was, who? I'm like, you never heard of Jesus? Hmm? No. Never heard of, okay. but And we're going to actually talk about that this morning. So I'm glad you guys are here. Look at your neighbor and say, I'm glad you're here. Glad you're here. Now look at your other neighbor and say, I'm glad you're here. And then just say, I'm glad I'm here. We get to this point in Matthew chapter 23. We're going to be talking a little bit about what Jesus has to say. because, And we're actually not going to get to all of them today. We may get to the first two or three. Um, and we're going to spend some time praying. Matthew 23, last week we left off in, I think it was verse 14. Let me, hang on, let me look. I had my wrong page there. I was put where my notes were at. No, it was verse 12. Remember verse 12? We talked about this last week. Whoever exalts himself, will be humbled. He who humbles himself will be exalted. And he was talking to the Pharisees. Then in verse 13, he enters a t- part of the scripture where he talks about seven woes to the people, to the Pharisees. Because of their position, this is why leaders are held to a higher standard than the regular average Joe because the average Joe is following a leader. How many of y'all, some of y'all don't realize there is people in your life that are following you. And you're sitting here looking at me like, who would that be? You'd be surprised how many people watch you on a daily basis just to see. They're looking for something. Matter of fact, there are some that will just watch you for the simple fact of pointing out your flaws. Anybody ever had those kind of people? Woo! Don't, aren't they just a joy to be with? Don't you just love being with someone that wants to point out all your flaws? <clears throat> oh, and, if, and you, you can look at them and say, well, if you haven't messed up yet, get ready. Your time's coming. Matter of fact, you could almost say, well, if you thought you hadn't messed up, you just did. <laughs> get it? It's clicking with some of you. If you thought you hadn't messed up, you just did, because your pride told you you're better than this, and now you're looking at me, pointing fingers at me. Saying, I should be this, which I'm not that, because I'm not who you think I should be. I'm who God called me to be. Just like you, the same could be said about you. You're not who the world says you are. You are who God called you to be. And the simple fact that God called you is amazing in itself. Amen? That's a miracle all by itself. The fact that the creator of the universe would take the time to send his son to die for you, that's pretty amazing, right? Because you look at all the other religions, even the ancient ones that we call mythology nowadays, look at all the other religions and see how the gods had flaws and they, they, they looked down at man and man was like their, their pounding ground. Man was always in the wrong, right? So man could never reach that standard. So what happened with Christianity's God or the God, I should say, Yehovah? What happened with Yahweh? Yahweh said, you know what? They're never going to make it. I'm going to send my son to them. So instead of sitting up on high pointing fingers at us, he sent his son to die so that we could have redemption from whatever flaws that we may be talking about. So Jesus is here. He's live and in person. He's talking with these religious leaders, these scribes, these Pharisees. We talked about the difference last week. I don't want to go back into that. But we're going to pick up there. I wanted to start with verse 12 there reading it because it's it's a good reminder as he gets into the next part As whoever exalts himself will be humbled. And whoever humbles himself will be exalted. Look at your neighbor and say, it's not about you. Look at your other neighbor and say, it's not about you. Now point your finger at yourself and say, it's not about me. It's all about him. Now, but see, the religious people of this day, and you're going to see, as I'm studying these texts and looking them over again this morning, I'm seeing this world. I'm talking, I'm telling, I'm seeing what he's telling the scribes and Pharisees. I see this society on a regular basis. Now, I feel a little bit like Lance Wall now. if you were here on Wednesday and saw the video. God's called him to say some things that not everybody's going to like. But yet, what did he end with on that video? He said, never let your scorn be more than your delight. Because the scorn he was referring to is the fact that man is not going to always like the message you have for them. Here's the good news that everybody likes to hear. God loves you. He does love you. But there's a standard. The reason Jesus had to come is because you can't live up to that standard. You can't do it. That's why he sent his son to die so that you could be declared righteous. And we talk about this a lot, but I think it's important as we're talking about our creator to get to know he does love you. But that doesn't mean he's going to let you do whatever you want and you're just going to get away with it. Because he is a just God, because he is a perfect God, he has to claim judgment on your sin. How do you get out of that? Through Jesus. That's it. There's one way. He said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. That's it. That's the only message. His blood is what covers your multitude of sins. That's it. There's no other way. The world will tell you there is, but there's not. Matter of fact, the same people that are telling you there is are the same people that's on their way to the lake of fire and don't even know it. Half of them don't know it. That's why we're here. Yes, we want to give you hope, but we need to also understand that there are things you have got to do. You've got to be trying your best at least to live holy. You're never going to be perfect. There's only been one person that was perfect, and his name was Jesus, and they killed him for being perfect. Come on. You're not going to make it. You have to have Jesus. Jesus is trying to let the Pharisees in on that right here as we get into verse 13. I see, and I better get into it and then I'll talk about it, but I see so much of this world, even outside of the religious place, the religious church and the religious things. Look at society. The first woe. Jesus goes into these woes. There are seven woes that are listed here, and we put 13 and 14 together here in this passage, which we're going to talk about first. Here, what's a woe? So what is a woe? A woe is a mixed cry of regret, compassion, sorrow, and denunciation. What is Jesus telling these religious leaders? He's giving them a warning. Woe to you. Wake up. You're not seeing it. Creator of the universe is standing right in front of you and you don't even see it. Speaking from Jesus' perspective, not myself. Don't even go there. Right, amen? Verse 13. Well, Actually, let me read this. This is coming from the commentary. When Jesus utters this cry seven times, he is deploring the miserable condition in which the Pharisees can be found, but he is also pronouncing the fate they have brought on themselves. So let's talk about it. First woe, verses 13 and 14. Here we go. But woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you shut up the kingdom of heaven against men, for you neither go in yourselves, nor do you allow those who are entering to go in. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, hypocrites, for you devour widows' houses for a pretense and make long prayers. Therefore, you will receive greater condemnation. Verse 13, the first woe is the woe of the shut door. What do we mean by that? Well, he starts with a, some strong language here. You get into the original text. He says, woe to you. Woe to you. This strong language is reminiscent of the Old Testament prophetic series of pronouncements of judgment. And you can look those up specifically. He's talking about some from Isaiah. um, I believe it's Hosea or Habakkuk and a few other ones. But he's referring to this woe to you. It's a warning. But people don't listen to the warning. Have any of you ever talked to people that aren't listening to the warning? Can I help you out? Not everybody's going to hear what you have to say. And until you come to the reality of that in your own life, you're going to always beat yourself up because they're not listening. Jeremiah, Isaiah, look at all the Old Testament prophets. Look at all of them. What happens? People were not listening to what they say. You've got to come to the and I had to come to the understanding years ago before we even launched this thing, that not everybody is called to be at Next Level Freedom Church. Matter of fact, not everybody's called to be in this house. Now, if you ask me, I think we're the best thing going right now, but I'm not saying that to denounce other churches because not everybody's called to be in this house. Some are called to be elsewhere. That's why we do growth track. So you can figure out, is this the house you're really called to be a part of? If it's not, maybe you should go down the street. I'm not trying to be mean, but you got to go where you're going to see God. And until you come to that reality yourselves, even if you're trying to tell somebody about Jesus but they're blowing you off, you've you got to come to realize not everybody's going to hear it. They're going to mock you. They're going to make fun. As a matter of fact, in America, that's like the worst thing we've got. Other countries, people are dying for their beliefs. The world doesn't want to hear what you have to say. The world doesn't want to hear about Jesus. Then you got the group that want Jesus, but they don't want anything the church has packaged him up to be. But there are still those that completely reject Jesus. You need to come to that reality yourself. Why I'm emphasizing that. Maybe somebody in the house needs to hear that. They're not always going to listen. If somebody rejects you, what does Jesus tell us to do in the Scriptures? He sent out 72 witnesses, for those of you that remember that text. And he said, if they don't receive you, wipe the dust off your feet and leave. Now, there's a deeper context to that scripture that we're not going to get into today, but you got to understand some things you just got to brush off your shoulder and move on. I don't worry about the people mocking, I don't worry about the people making fun because I just got to tell you the truth. Because if I don't tell you the truth, I'm judged for that. So it's pronouncing judgment. Jesus saying, Woe to you. Not only. Ha- see this is the problem with the Pharisees and this is what he's getting at here in these verses they're so concerned about the outward appearance of righteousness that they're missing the inward reality of righteousness which is Jesus who is standing before them right now they're missing it and he's warning them you're missing it he, these woes are I'm telling you they're heavy that's an old 19 good old 1980s term heard it on back to the future y'all ever seen that Marty kept calling everything heavy gotta understand not only has outward righteousness blinded them from their inward righteousness but they have blinded the people as well they're worried about what they look like on the outside but missing the inside jesus is standing in front of them telling you i'm here you're missing it woe to you judgment's coming He's just straightforward. Jesus is straightforward. He don't worry about your little political correctness. He doesn't care about that. Truth is truth whether you like it or not. But this first woe sets the trajectory to those that follow. Let's get into another one. Verse 15. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you travel land and sea to win one proselyte. And when he is one, you make him twice as much a son of hell as yourselves. What is he saying? He's talking about entrapped converts. Woe number two. Jewish history records an active propaganda directed toward gaining proselytes. What's a proselyte? It's a convert. That's just a fancy way to say a convert. Someone that's converting from one thing or one belief to another. Jews were known for that in history. Matter of fact, there would be some rabbis that would tell you that that was the whole purpose of the exile of the Jewish people. It was so that we could create proselytes. Converts. How many of y'all know there was more to it than that though? There was judgment. Yeah, you could create some converts while you were in ex- exile. But that's not your only reason for being in exile. Josephus is one of them that indicates that both before and after the destruction of the second temple, many proselytes were made both among the masses and the upper classes in the Gentile cities surrounding Israel. Here's the deal, though. What you need to catch is Jesus does not condemn proselytizing. That's what we do. We're creating converts, but not so that we could just, for the sake of creating a convert, for the sake of saving your soul from eternal damnation. Jesus is not condemning, proselytizing, per se. But he is criticizing the way that the Pharisees, zealous to win people on their own brand of Judaism, place them under particularly burdensome code of conduct conduct, in oral law. We've talked about this before. One of the big problems of the Pharisees was they were so big at being legalist, they added a whole bunch of stuff to your Bible. They added all these rules you were supposed to live by, rules that they weren't even living up to themselves. And Jesus is calling them hypocrites. Because they they've strayed from God's word and got off into religion and tradition and legalism and trying to put people in chains and bondage. Why? Because they feel it lifts their ego up. It's called pride. Just put a simple word to it. Pride. We got to keep the people down here. We're above them. No, we don't exercise that here. We talked about it last year. There's one teacher. We're all on the same playing field here. We have titles just so you recognize the leaders are, but we aren't so focused on titles we're missing out on God. Matter of fact, I don't like titles. But Jesus does not condemn that. He's condemning their conduct their way of proselytizing, their way of convincing people. And we go on here in a minute. He's going to talk more about it. So I'm going to go on and read the next verse, and then we'll come back and talk more about it. Because not only he's talking about entrapped converts in the second woe, but he's now the third woe, he talks about binding oaths. Third verse, or actually the third woe, we're going to read uh, 16 to 22 real quick. Woe to you blind guides who say, whoever swears by the temple, it is nothing. But whoever swears by the gold of the temple, he is obligated to perform it. Fools and blind. Does your Bible have explanation points? The New King James does here. See, Jesus, he's just being blunt. In fact, I'm too blunt sometimes. I pray God helps me funnel that. Fools and blind. For which is greater, the gold or the temple that sanctifies The gold. Verse 18, and whoever swears by the altar, it is nothing. But whoever swears by the gift that is on it, he is obligated to perform it. Therefore, he who swears by the altar swears by it and by all things on it. He who swears by the temple swears by it and by him who dwells in it. Actually, I missed verse 19. Let me go back and read it. Fools and blind, for which is greater, the gift or the altar that sanctifies the gift? Verse 22 And he who swears by heaven swears by the throne of God and by him who sits on it. Binding oaths. The subject is assumed the same, but Jesus now intentionally addresses the teachers of the law and the Pharisees by characteristic that has so led themselves and others astray. This is what I'm talking about. It's in this society. It's been going on for generations. This generation is taught you need to think outside of the box. If you think about God, you're not that educated. You're not that smart. And we talked about it Wednesday. Where do you get off? How many of y'all realize God's the author of science? So when you come to me and say, well, that's not science. That's religious. I'm saying, what are you talking about? God is Science. He's the author of science. There's nothing bad about science. It's what man has made science to be. It's the same thing. We see it here with religious leaders, but we also see it in this society and how easily they're converting young converts in the schools. By the advertisements, in the music, in the videos they're watching, they are convincing the younger generations there is no God. Do you realize it's the same thing? It's proselytizing, only they're sending out negative vibes. There's the good proselytizing, which is where we tell the word about Jesus and they get converted because they know now they have hope. But there is also the world's identification. And it goes even outside of the church. I would even go as far as to tell you it's in the church. We've got several churches nowadays where pastors are no longer teaching the word. They are motivational speakers. So what do we have? We don't have a church. We have a social club. It's a place where we can gather and hang out, talk about other people. Gossip, that's a whole other sin. I encourage you if you're a pastor and you're watching me. I don't know that any ever will, but if you're a pastor and you're watching me, you need to teach from the word. You can't just be a motivational speaker. That's what the Pharisees were doing. Motivating They're young converts to live by their legalism and their oral laws that they had added to the context. And now this is the problem that Jesus has. They've no longer just condemned themselves. Now they've condemned those that are coming behind them. And the problem is the leaders he's talking to even here were brought under the same thing. So now for generations, we've got leaders, and it is in this society. You stand for God in this society. They like to mock. They like to point fingers. They like to laugh. It happens in schools. Happens in the workplace. Do you realize they're telling people how to think right now in this society? They're proselytizing people to believe there is no God. When in all reality, all the evidence says, yes, there is. But we won't talk about that. Because it goes against the agenda. I'm looking at it as Jesus is talking to these religious people, but I'm seeing so much. It's even in schools, colleges, campuses. It's everywhere. Because it's been going on for generations a little at a time. Little at a time, a little at a time, now we look at a generation that has no clue what they believe about God. Praise God, Look at your neighbor and say, it'll be okay. He's not mad. He's just passionate. Amen. Just passionate. It is frustrating, but I'm not mad. We're just passionate. Because we're lying to people and then acting like it's okay. Then we wonder why the generation on the back row right now laughing and going on. We're wondering why this generation doesn't know what to believe. They're laughing at the people teaching God because we're trying to give them truth, but much like the Pharisees, they're rejecting truth truth makes sense. Y'all understand what truth is? Truth can be proven. Truth is truth. It can't be changed. Truth is fact, right? Jesus said, I am the truth. Truth is Jesus. But there's more to truth than that. In order to get you to understand this, two plus two equals four. That's a truth. You can't change it. You can't make it five just because you choose it's going to be five now. Truth is truth. The truth is there is a God. The truth is God does love you. The truth is Jesus is the only way, the truth, and the life. That's the truth. But the world would tell you that, no, that's not truth. That's their truth. You know what their truth means? That just means opinion in the world's eyes. Truth can't be changed. No matter how man tries to bog it down, water it out, This is what was going on here. It's what's happening now where we got too many pastors with just like the Pharisees here that are watering down the word of God and not teaching truth. So then when truth comes along, you may feel a little conviction, but you push that away and say, no, I don't believe that. Well, it doesn't really matter if you believe it. It's still truth. Truth is, gravity is a real thing. You've heard me say it before. Go jump off a building right now. I promise you, even though you could scream all the way down, I don't believe in gravity, you're going to hit the ground. That's the truth. Truth is, the sun's hot. Just because you choose to believe it's an iceberg doesn't mean it is. Go try to touch it. It's hot. You won't even get that close because as soon as you leave our atmosphere, it's immediate sunburn. That's what they tell us. It's that hot. Truth is truth. Truth cannot be changed, nor will it be changed. And just because you don't agree with it or you have an opinion about it doesn't mean we have to stop teaching truth. Their clever, their cleverness has blinded them to the truth. Their clever way of creating converts has blinded them from the truth. Which in turn causes them to lead others away from the truth. They have the most, and and he gets into this more as we read down, so let me say that as we read those verses. But you need to understand something. Even these guys he was talking to had been blinded from truth. They had been raised on the same religious laws they were teaching the next generation. Jesus warns them. Now you've, blinded, you know, now you've blinded an entire other generation. Now the next generation doesn't even know what to believe about God. That's what I'm saying. We see it in this society. They've been so slyly. The devil's sly. Y'all realize that? The serpent in the garden was sly. And I think the Bible even words it that way. He's a sly creature. He knew how to talk. He was a smooth talker. It's the same nowadays. He's a smooth talker. He'll talk you into anything. That's why you need to understand your doctrine. Otherwise, you're just going to believe whatever word of doctrine comes around and just blows this way and that. Suddenly, oh, it looks good over here. I'm going to go join over here. Oh, wait, it's better over here. I want to go over here. Next thing you know, you don't even know what you believe. You've lost track of truth. They have the most important matters reversed. That's what he says here. Remember, he's talking about the altar talking about the gold the temple they got the most important matters reversed they're giving more attention to the minute details of the law rather than the principles of the law i like how jesus said and this comes to mind so i just i'm just gonna speak it remember jesus healed a man on the sabbath right pharisees got wind of it you can't do that you can't heal on the Sabbath. And Jesus is like, What comes first, man or the Sabbath? He's like, Hold on. Sabbath is for man, not man for the Sabbath. It was a day to rest, like God did from creation. Some of y'all find out real quick if you don't take a Sabbath, you're going to be wore out. That's why I like taking my naps on Sundays. Amen. Now, that's just me. You do your thing, right? Woo. Because if you don't get some rest, you're going to be so worked and you ain't, you ain't going to be any earthly good to anybody. You got to rest. But I, that was just an example. Here he's talking about the altar. He's talking about the gold. It's okay to swear by the temple. But if you swear by the gold in the temple, well, we got a problem with that. Does any of this sound familiar? In this society, Jesus asked a question. Which is greater, the gold or the temple that sanctifies the gold? They didn't even know what the temple was, remember? Jesus comes in, starts turning over tables, ticks them off, right? By how Father's house is supposed to be a house of prayer, you've made it a den of thieves. There's a whole lot going on there that we won't talk about today because that's not the message, but... There was a whole lot more going on about that. They would intentionally find faults, and I even believe it doesn't say it, but they would create faults in your sacrifice. So you would have to buy another one. This is where he's talking about just the den of thieves. You don't do anything. You're swindling men out of their money. There's so much, and he's going to list a whole bunch as we go over these in the next few weeks or however long it takes us to get through the woes but we gotta be careful don't steer from truth you steer from truth you're gonna find yourself in a mess that's when you're gonna get to that vocabulary that says that's your truth cause you're confused and you don't know what truth is there's no such thing as your truth and my truth there's truth young people you need to hear that there's no such thing As your truth and my truth There's just truth If we're talking about your truth and my truth We're talking about your opinion My opinion Can I give you an example Let me help this Maybe this will bring it home You like strawberry ice cream I like chocolate Just because I like chocolate Doesn't mean my opinion is right That's an opinion Truth Two plus two is four You can't change that It is what it is Truth Jesus came to die for you To save your souls just like the rest of us. That's truth. Do you receive it? Do you reject it? Do you laugh at it? Do you mock it? That was another problem they had because because of their deceit, not only had they deceived themselves into believing their truths, now they've deceived another generation. Jesus is standing in front of him, and he's really referring to the fact that they're rejecting me, they're rejecting my kingdom because you taught them to do it. It's the same today. People are rejecting God, saying God doesn't exist because they've been told he doesn't. They don't look at the proof. They don't look at the truth. They just go by what they're told, right? Doctor tells you you need to exercise more. Do you just take his word for it or do you go do some thorough research on whether you should or not? A lot of times we're just taking people at their word. You got to understand truth. Don't just take somebody's word for it. Do your own research. We've talked about that a couple of weeks ago. Do your own research. Don't take my word for it. You take my word for it, you're not doing anything any better than what the rest of the world's doing. just taking my opinion and my word for things. That's not where God wants us to be. That's not where he's called us to be. We are called to study to show ourselves approved.